This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hello, everyone. Tim McMaster here, along with Jordan Bastion, our MLB.com Indians reporter, talking about the Indians here on the podcast as we inch closer to spring training. And we have a good amount of stuff to talk about on the podcast this week. Obviously, Jim Tomey getting into the Hall of Fame, Omar Vizquel having a nice showing in his first go-round. We have some catch in Central Park, some players battling for that starting spot in the uh, rotation. But I want to start with... Really the biggest news of this week, Jordan, when it comes to the Indians, and that is the announcement earlier this week that uh, Chief Wahoo will no longer be a part of the Cleveland Indians uniforms come the 2019 season. So one more year of Chief Wahoo being a part of the official scheme of the Indians. Uh, He's been there since 1947. Obviously, it's been a controversial topic for some time. What is the... I mean, what's the initial reaction, I guess, the vibe, the gut reaction in Cleveland about this decision? It's been mixed reaction for the last several years. Um, but I think what I've kind of been saying is no matter what side of the debate you're on, like, it's just it's about time. I think anyone who looks at that logo, you know, for a lot of people here in Cleveland, they just associate it with baseball. But there's people outside of Cleveland who associate it with you know, something else with being a little more controversial and and divisive. And I think if you were thinking of it in the terms of if a graphic artist were to uh, propose that image today, it it wouldn't work. I mean, that that person might not ever work again. Um, You know, but obviously there's a longstanding history here in the Cleveland area with that. And a lot of people, like I said, who don't look at the image as anything, but this has been a symbol for my baseball team. I mean, I've got an eight-year-old son myself who, when he was little, used to say, oh, we're going to the Indians game, got to put my Wahoos on, and he'd get his Indians gear. I mean, he doesn't think anything bad about that logo. To him, it's just the Cleveland Indians, and that's how a lot of people feel about it. So I understand that side, and so do uh, the leaders within the Indians organization, and that's why they've tried to work with Major League Baseball to sort of find a solution that that caters to both sides. Um, So I think what they're going to do is – as you noted, after this season, it's not going to be on the on-field uniforms, no longer going to be on the hats or, or a patch on the sleeve. It's still going to be available for sale uh, in Northeast Ohio in, in Indians team stores, and I believe in Goodyear, Arizona, and Indians team store out there. Uh, and the reasoning is Major League Baseball and the Cleveland Indians, it's kind of in their best interest to maintain control over that trademark because if they were to stop all production or or have no retail presence, it could open the door for a third party to come in and seize control of the trademark and do whatever they want with it. Um, And I think in this day and age, it's easy to imagine if that were to get into the wrong hands, you know, what what could happen there. So I think the Indians in Major League Baseball kind of took their time in, in working through this and trying to find that solution that still allows it to be a presence for the fans here who are very attached to the image, 
but also recognizes that there's a lot of people who find it offensive um, and it's no longer going to be a part of the on-field presentation. Anthony Kastrovins, who obviously writes for us at MLB.com, also lives out there in Cleveland near you, Jordan, um, has an itch, has a good column up as well um, talking about kind of the other side of things, the outside right. of Cleveland side of things, um, about someone in Arizona with a Chief Wahoo shirt on just getting looks in a store, and basically people didn't want to help him out because they were offended by the shirt. He didn't think anything of it until he walked out and realized what he was wearing. Um, it's just a different perspective, obviously. Um, one thing I, I will say also, in recent years, we've seen a lot of this within the ballpark, within Progressive Field. A lot mm -hmm. of fans bringing the big Chief Wahoo signs to the ballpark. That's obviously not going anywhere as well. Right, and I think that's important to note, that there's not going to be Chief Wahoo police at the gates. Right. Fans who want to wear the hat, want to wear the logo on their on their jerseys or shirts or bring in posters, they're still going to be able to bring them into the ballpark. Um, it's just no longer going to be on the on-field uniform. I mean, you can't – I mean, you've been to Progressive Field. There's, they love the history here in Cleveland. This organization goes back to 1901. There's a long history with not only the logo but with the team name. There's images all over the place, and you can't take down all these photos of, of Indians of yesteryear because Chief Wahoo appears – you know, so Major League Baseball recognizes that. I think it's just they want to be respectful and recognize that there are people um, that no longer wanted that to be uh, the symbol that was out there. And I think there's a couple elements at play here. You know, the last few years, you know, aside from just society evolving, you know, for the better, I would argue um, in some ways like this, you see the Indians have been uh, more prominent in the national spotlight. They made it to the World Series. So, that naturally led to more discussion about it. When they went to Toronto, um, there was a group that filed an injunction to try and stop the Indians from using the logo in uh, baseball games in Rogers Center. Um, and so there was a sort of a legal matter that had been ongoing with this too. So I think there's sort of been pressure, just like, you know, in the NFL, talking about uh, the Washington Redskins name or, you know, other, other teams that have, you know, colleges that have changed their team names over the years. You know, as you noted, it's still going to be allowed into the ballpark. Um, there's no plans or discussion right now of changing the team's name, um, but I think it's fair to say when you look at that symbol, you can see why there would be people who didn't like it. All right, let's move back to on-the-field stuff with the Indians, and it's going to be an interesting spring training. One of the fun competition areas, I think, um, probably that you're going to have eyes on for most of spring is the starting rotation, Jordan. Obviously, you have a great core there, the top three, um, and then you have four guys, and you're focusing in on these four guys this week on the website, so people definitely check that out um, each day. Uh, but you have Mike Clevenger, you have Danny Salazar, you have Josh Tomlin, you have Ryan Merritt. These are all guys who have certainly had their moments in Cleveland Indians uniforms. There's two jobs available. There's four guys. And you look at those four guys, and right now where we are in, in late January, about to enter February, it's tough to really pick favorites, isn't it, when you look at those four guys and two spots they're fighting for? Yeah, I mean, this is a really interesting race. I mean, each guy sort of brings – their own argument. I, I, Ryan Merritt, we include him because his situation right now, while he's sort of seventh on the depth chart, his situation is really unique too. I mean, this was a guy who became like an instant cult hero among Cleveland fans. I mean, this guy pitched them into the World Series uh, a couple years ago, and all he's done at the major league level is is perform well. Um, so he's going to be an interesting guy when he comes into camp. 
because of the fact that he's out of minor league options. So they really got to take a long look at him and figure out if he doesn't fit into the rotation picture, is there a home for him in the bullpen? Are they going to have to try and look at a trade scenario uh, because you can't, you know, maybe not want to expose him to waivers in order to try and get him to the minor leagues. His situation is really unique. And I think his status is sort of, like I said, that the guy who Indians fans sort of love because of, the history uh, that he's had, even though his re- resume is a little shorter. The other guys have the more compelling cases at the moment for winning the job. Mike Clevenger took a huge step forward last year and looks like he's poised to sort of join the rest of that rotation as a, as a staple, as a guy that you can just write in every year. Um, you know, you got Josh Tomlin, who's the longest tenured player in the organization. They picked up his $3 million option, which was a no-brainer. Um, for the depth, for the value, and for his experience and what he can bring. You know, he's another guy that you know, really pitched well during the postseason run two years ago. Last year had some ups and downs, but was better in the second half. And a guy that really relies on precision-based pitching, um, sort of that crafty element. You know, he doesn't walk guys. That's one of the lowest whips in baseball, and now he's been striking out guys more. If you want experience, that's the guy you go with. Now you got Danny Salazar, who for years we've heard could be an ace. I think we even ran a story on MLB.com this past week of uh, potential breakout pitchers or guys who could be the next in line to step up as aces in baseball, and Salazar was on that list again. And I feel like he's on that list every year, and rightfully so, because of the power he has in his right arm, and he has one of the best pitches in baseball with his split change. But injuries have held him back for the last two years. You've heard his name in trade rumors uh, throughout this offseason because – of the injury history, but also because of the potential and also because of the value he has because he's under control for a few years. I think if you look at Clevenger and Salazar, you know, those are guys that under different circumstances you would write in to a rotation. This is a rotation led by Corey Kluber and Carlos Carrasco and Trevor Bauer. This is a deep, deep staff. And this is one of those things where in baseball you hear, oh, it's a good problem to have. This is a very good problem to have for the Indians, but it's one they're going to have to solve. Uh, this spring, if all things are equal at the end, yeah, you got to find a find spots, and then obviously, uh, no team gets through an entire season with five starters for the most part. Right. So, whoever doesn't make it out of camp as one of those fourth or fifth guys, you would think will be called on at some point because health issues always kind of rear their ugly head over the course of the season. Uh, all right, I want to get into the Hall of Fame a little bit. Obviously, Jim Tomei, no surprise there. First ballot he's in. Extremely emotional about it, too. You love to see the guys when they, they get the call, and, and a lot of times uh, you see the video of the actual call. Uh, we have a lot of them on MLB.com, and they kind of run the gamut of emotion. Some guys are very stoic. Some guys, it's just excitement. But it was really cool to see Jim Tomey and the amount of emotion he showed. But that's who he is, right? That's the player he was, and that's who he still is now. I mean, it's amazing when you watch those interviews with him. Uh, you know, I covered him briefly in his second tenure with the Indians. The guy you saw on TV, that's, just, that's the same guy. And that's who he is every day. Um, I thought Sandy Alomar Jr. summed it up best when he said, you know, he had ne- he's never been around someone who's more genuine. And I think that sums up Jim Tomey. And in this era of uh, the way some writers are voting and things they're taking in consideration and the era they are considering that Jim Tomey played in, you know, the fact of how he is on a day-to-day basis, that genuine spirit, um, that certainly, I'm sure, went, went a long way for some voters, not only the statistics. So, you know, that yeah, you're right. It was great to see that. 
Um, great. I loved the uh, the moment on the MLB Network when uh, Charlie Manuel was brought on the call uh, to Jim's surprise. Charlie Manuel is one of the guys who really was a mentor to Tommy when he was coming up through the minor leagues, um, helped him, you know, fine tune that swing that became so famous in the big leagues and hit over 600 home runs. So Tommy was, uh, was very, very deserving. And um, it's going to be fun to continue to see the, the Jim Tommy tour along with, you know, this huge hall of fame class. Uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, these for, for guys like you and me, these are guys we grew up watching. I mean, yeah. I even posted a photo of me playing high school ball. Uh, I used to point the bat at the pitcher because I saw Jim Tomey do it on TV, and I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And so I used, you know, skinny little me and playing for Thornwood High School in Illinois. In my mind, I was intimidating them just like Jim Tomey, and I'm I'm sure I was not. Maybe that's why I set my uh, high school's record for getting hit by pitch. I was pointing <laughs> the bat at those pitchers. Uh, yeah. You're you're basically just saying that we're old, but yes, yeah, we do. We remember these guys. <laughs> uh, one more thing with you, Jordan, um, and that is the guy, the former Indian that didn't get in, but Omar Vizquel, 37% in his first ballot, and Jim Tomey had great things to say about him for sure, and he hopes that he gets there someday. That's a pretty good jumping-off spot. I mean, he's not going to get in next year, probably a couple of years, but you have 10 years to kind of build that, I guess, fan base within the with the voting base. And to start at 37 Feels like Vizquel has a good shot, a decent shot to within the next ten years find his way to Cooperstown. This is going to be an interesting case to follow uh, for his life on that ballot, because in other years, when you think like a guy like Tim Raines comes to mind, how long did it take for Tim Raines to finally get elected? But what you saw with the Tim Raines case and with some of the other ones uh, where guys was on the ballot for a long time was the increase knowledge base or of analytics and understanding of uh, some of these statistics that guys had, I think as you've learned more then those guys' cases sort of gained steam. And I, I think Tim Raines, his numbers were, became increasingly more valuable in understanding when we had more ways to look at them. I think it's sort of the opposite case with Omar because right now the advanced stats really work against him. Um, as a hitter because of the era he played in, and even defensively because a lot of times people compare him to Omar Vizquel. Uh, they compare Omar Vizquel to Ozzie Smith, and when you look at Ozzie Smith's defense compared to Omar, you go, oh, well, it really wasn't as close as, as my I thought it was with my eyes. And so I think what's holding Omar back right now is the advanced stats. And so the campaign for him over time is going to have to be almost sort of a, a, a rethinking of the way they vote, not using just the numbers for people who didn't watch them on a day-to-day basis, but sort of trusting the anecdotes of the players who watched him and played with him and things like that. I think those are going to carry more weight for Omar's case. And maybe you know several years from now, because fielding metrics are continuing to evolve, maybe some of the fielding metrics uh, that we understand better five, six years from now, will help his case more than they do right now. So I, I do think his is a really intriguing case because it's his performance as a hitter that really holds him back. Uh, and I think people look at the counting stats and things like that. So it'll be fun to follow. Um, I think when you talk to everyone who played with him, uh, guys who watched him play, you know, for those people, there's a camp that's very strongly that he should be in the Hall of Fame. And then there's a, a huge selection of voters that look at the advanced stuff and say, well, I'm not so sure. So this is going to be an interesting case to follow.
Yeah, it certainly will be. And, and I hadn't thought of it quite that way in that he's kind of the opposite side of things. So that's a great perspective as well. But 37%, we'll see how that continues to grow. It should hopefully help him a little bit that there was such a – this logjam of Hall of Famers seems to be right. opening up a little bit. Four more guys get in this year. Uh, there's only a couple of kind of definite automatics going on to the ballot next year. So maybe more space on people's ballots as well as we yeah. go through the next few years. All right. This has been MLB.com Extras, our Indians edition for Jordan Bastion. I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.